Go rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. What? Come on, media. What up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 143. That's right, episode 143 of Combo's Court. And I am Combo. Share this episode with a friend via social media or word of mouth. Rate and review it. Punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. Today's show, Max Letterman of NBC Sports Boston joins in. A great conversation with Max. Glad you guys will be able to listen in. We discuss Kyrie Irving's time in Boston, Jason Tatum's MVP potential, and Max shares his thoughts on the Luka Doncic-Larry Bird comparisons, plus much, much more. You could find Max on Twitter at Max underscore Letterman. That's M-A-X underscore L-E-D-E-R. M-A-N. You know you can find me on Instagram at 12combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Score, man. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling good. How about you guys? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Max covers the Celtics for NBC Boston. Max, I wanted to start with Kyrie. I know we're backtracking a little bit. I don't know Kyrie personally. I know some people who are friends of him and are around him, and they never have a bad thing to say about him. But I did have Ethan Skolnick on my show of Five Reasons, and he said when he was covering him with Cleveland, not one of his teammates had his phone number. I found that a little bit weird. So I wanted to hear your thoughts on Kyrie in Boston, and what did you make of it? Well, I mean, year one, we had the honeymoon period, but as soon as the Celtics made that trade, uh, we started getting, you know, people from Cleveland reaching out to us saying, just wait, just wait for the adversity to hit and you're going to see Kai Mee. Kai Mee uh, only cares about himself, you know, he's a different dude, but we were all just like, you know, we were, we were drunk off of the success of that Brooklyn trade, you know, bringing in all those picks, getting those young players and then turning it into uh a star, you know, like Kyrie with a, you know, his own Nike shoe, you know, it's a big deal. I mean, the, the Kyrie jerseys popped up instantly. It was all great. Uh, the first year we kind of just laughed at, you know, what Ben Golliver uh, termed uh, coffee shop Kyrie saying just nonsense after games, but it was fine because they were winning. Uh, they were exceeding expectations after all of the injuries with Gordon Hayward and then with Kyrie himself. But, uh, then last year is when we saw what everyone had kind of said. You know, you started hearing just about him, just how incredibly dismissive he was to the, the beat writers and just the, the everyday people around the organization, just, you know, looking through them. Uh, but, like, not every day. Like, some days he would be, like, super nice and, and warm, and, and other days he would pretend like you didn't exist. He's, he's a, you know, he's a moody guy, and, you know, he just has this aura of just being, you know, acting like, thinking that he's just smarter than everyone else and just actually being incredibly dumb. Uh, you know, the flat earth stuff was just so irresponsible and, 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 and maddening, really. It's like, man, you have a, a massive platform. If you don't know what you're talking about, just shut up. You know, kids should not listen to athletes, but they do. I mean, I know, like, that's not their fault, but it's a reality that you just need to accept. So, 
you know, there just needs to be a little bit more uh, accountability when you're saying ridiculous things like the earth being flat when there's, it's not even a thing that I'm going to argue about. It's, it's not flat. We know, we know that it's not an argument. So I, I never liked Kyrie because of that specifically, but then just to see the way that he treated the people that he saw every day, uh, you know, it, you know, I don't wish bad things for him because I think, you know, at his core, he's probably a good person. Like I, I right. tell my daughters that, you know, when I say Kyrie's like a bad guy, I just mean that in terms of sports and just like his personality. But like, if you were hurt on the side of the road and he was walking by, he would help you. Um, right. But not the kind of guy that you want on your team at this point. I mean, he's a, he's a good basketball player, but there's something to be said with how his teams have succeeded when he's out. And now you're seeing the fallout in Brooklyn. You know, of course, the reports are coming out that, no, it wasn't Kyrie and KD that wanted uh, Kenny Atkinson out. Sure, whatever. I don't need to know, like, exactly what went down. I just know that Kenny Atkinson did a great job with that team, building a culture, and then Kyrie comes in and he's gone. Yeah, that's how it goes in the NBA. I think outside of Miami, pretty much every organization, well, and the Spurs, and maybe even Boston, pretty much every organization coach, if the, if the players aren't with it, it's probably going to be over in a, in a short while. Yeah, I mean, it's a star-driven league, and the the difference is, like, so if it was Kevin Durant who wanted him gone, sure, see ya. Right. Because uh, Kevin Durant's a, a needle mover. He's a difference maker. Uh, Kyrie's an elite talent, but I don't know if he's a difference maker like that. I think the Nets are going to be really good if Durant's yeah. back to being himself next year uh, and Kyrie can stay healthy because Kyrie's, like, a great uh, secondary star, but he's just not the alpha. He's not the number one. Right. One of the most talented guards I've ever seen. I mean, the way he finishes around the lane, I haven't seen any guard. Maybe Rod Strickland. I haven't seen a lot of guards that could do it the way Kyrie does it. He has so many options, it almost must get boring for him. Right. And, you know, it, the difference is that Kyrie was almost too good getting to the basket. He never drew fouls, and that was right. – you know, that hurt. That, I think that's part of the reason why it hurts the team. Like, you need to be able to just kind of, like, just grift away games, you know, like just kind of slow, you know, slow the uh, opponent's momentum down by just getting to the line, getting their good players in foul trouble and, you know, just building on a lead or maintaining a lead. But he's just slippery and elite at just avoiding the contact. I grew up watching someone like Allen Iverson just get destroyed uh, going right. to the basket. And he hit, you know, he'd make these layups and then fall on the ground and, and make the end ones. And, and that's how they literally got to the finals in 2001. So, you know, there's something to be said getting fouled, but, uh, he is incredibly talented on the basketball court, and no one's going to deny that. For sure. Let's shift to something a little bit more uh, lighthearted. You work with Scalabrini. Um, he had a long NBA career, never really got his opportunity. He was a good basketball player. I mean, his highest minutes per game was around 20. Why do you feel like he never really got his chance? I, I just think he probably wasn't uh, – I mean, look, he was, he was one of the 200 to 300 best players on the planet for, you know, 10 years or whatever it was. Right. Uh, so that's why I never really rag him for being a bench player because, you know, that's incredibly – like he's like 0.001% of the human population in terms of basketball skill. Right, and, and a lot of fans always do this with players in the NBA that might average whatever amount of points and they want to bring that up. And those kind of fans never really been through the channels of playing basketball, so they don't really realize. They have a lack of perspective. Right, and Scal, I mean, there was a, a promotion we did – oh, God, I think – I think he may have still been playing or he had just retired, but it was called the, you know, the scallenge where okay. you know, people could just challenge scout a one-on-one. -on -one and <laughs> stop. 
he dominated people. He's a massive huge person. And he's in better shape now, uh, he says. Like, he treats his body better uh, than he did when he was a player. Um, he's getting older now. But, you know, Scal's a great guy. He's got great perspective. Uh, he's got a soft spot for his, his 08 teammates. Um, so you can't get any good dirt on Rondo or anything like that. But, um, no, he's a pleasure to work with, for sure. For sure, for sure. He's great. Um, you know, the first time I heard of the Luca Bird comparison was actually on my podcast. This was over a year ago now. Uh, Heineken, he works with This Is 50, and he made that comparison, Luca and Bird. I hear it all the time now. What do the Boston fans make of it when they hear that comparison? You know, I, I've honestly not heard that. That's a, oh, really? That's a, yeah, it's an interesting uh, comparison. I, I think that's pretty – Pretty accurate. I, I'm sure you would get your head cut off if you said that in Boston. Because, right, right. You know, people don't like Jason Tatum being on like full screen graphics with with Pearson Bird. You know, even though he's, it's just because he's doing things that they were, you know, that only he was a, a only Celtic to score 32 points in five straight games, uh, other than Larry Bird and John Havlicek. So, which is incredible. Um, but even that, like, they're like, oh, I can't believe he's, you know, he's being mentioned with Larry Bird. It's like, look, it's just a fact that that's what happened. But, yeah, I mean, people are very protective of Larry Bird because, you know, he, he continued that uh, era of dominance here in Boston in the 80s and, and really helped the league, him and Magic's rivalry. But uh, the Luka comparison, that's, that's pretty interesting because Luka is – he's a big guy – uh, he's not the most athletic, but he's so smart and has such great vision and shooting and passing, uh, and he can rebound. I mean, he really is. Like, I, that is probably what Larry Bird would look like in this era, would be something like, like what Luca is. For sure, because if Larry played in this era, he would just work on that three more. He'd be shooting more of them. Um, he'd probably handle the basketball more, because that's what we do now. We just give the basketball to our best player and let them go. Right, and uh, I mean, I think Larry's a better shooter than Luca. I mean, Luca, I think will will get better. Right. Um, I mean, you can just see it with his shot; it's a good shot. And who knows? I mean, with the, it's just the way that the step back three is has become such a weapon. It's indefensible if you're good at it. I yep. mean, Larry would have Larry would have been putting in the work. Uh, it was just a different game back then. I mean, they used to just you know go drink beers in the off season, and then you know training camp would come around. That's when it was time to get in shape. Uh, now it's like it's year round, man. You got to be in shape. Maybe give yourself a week or two at the end of the season, but after that, it's back to the back to the lab. Right, right. Does, does Larry show up to these uh, Boston games ever? Uh, no, no. He's no. he's an Indiana guy. Got uh, you. You know, he just recently uh, left the Pacers organization, but um, I haven't seen him in Boston in a while. But you know, he's still you know he's he's green. He's green through and through. For sure, for sure. Speaking of green, Jason Tatum. He's come on real strong lately. Um, where do you land on Jason Tatum's MVP potential? Well, I, you know, before the season, it was kind of just like, we'll see. Uh, I know a lot of people were, were, were starting to talk about that kind of uh, two-way player potential. Um, he took the beginning of the season. His defensive improvements were, like, jarring. It was incredible how uh, much of a difference maker he was on that end. He was still kind of, um, kind of doing his same – you know, mid mid range fadeaways that right. you know, kind of irked us last year. Contested twos uh, for sure. Contested twos, but yeah, uh, you know he was he was making a leap. He for sure made a leap. Him and Jalen uh, Jalen Brown both, and then and then you know around like January 11th is where I when he scored 41 points versus the Pelicans is where I start my you know leap uh, tracking with him. I don't know what happened. He had a, they had a pretty bad game. 
the prior game before that uh, Pelicans won. But since then, he's just been a, a, an absolute monster. And just everything that everyone said he might be in a couple years, he's having his third year leap midway through the season. And usually it's like the like Steph Curry's of the world, the Paul George's, the Kawhi's, all these guys. They had their leap in year four. Um, so he's ahead of the curve. He's also significantly younger than any of those guys were when they did it. And it really it makes you think that he's he's going to be an MVP candidate um, like starting next year, There's, assuming that he just keeps adding to his game. And that's the thing about Tatum is that he's a simple guy. He's not I mean, he's in commercials, but he's not like he just doesn't seem like the kind of kid that really cares. He loves his son so much. He's like really grounded in that. And, um, he's, you know, he's just, uh, he's obsessed with getting better at basketball. And when they drafted him, I remember doing a Google news search dating back to like as far back as I could find articles with his name in them. And I found a bunch of uh, write-ups about it when he was like 12, 13, 14. And they were all the same thing. The great kid, great mindset, advanced footwork beyond his years. And that is something that you cannot underrate. The footwork is just incredible. And it, it allows him to get to the basket, get these incredible sidestep uh, threes that aren't really step backs. Or, um, but they are, you know, he, he has that in his game too. And the pull-up three and just everything. It, it reminds me of what Kawhi, uh, like not the actual form, but his shot form is so like repeatable and almost yeah. ro- robotic, but in like a beautiful way, uh, not in a bad way, like a really rehearsed. Like it looks like you just practiced that all summer, that exact thing. Uh, and that's what Kawhi reminds me when he shoots and just the regularity of those shots going in is it's just it's amazing it's when you think just when you think he's all right this this is you know he's shooting lights out he can't keep this up he just does and I know he's had two two kind of struggles uh, the last couple games but that's you know the Celtics are dealing with a lot of injuries and he's getting just charged with double teams all the time uh, he's done a pretty good job of, uh, of passing out of that. And that's where the next evolution for him is, is becoming more of a playmaker. And I, I really truly believe in it because I've seen him make great passes. It's just, it's something that he's going to actually have to really work on because he's just always been a, an alpha scorer and you can't, uh, you can't just overnight decide to just start having your head up, looking to pass, uh, on yeah. every, every drive. But I think that's coming. I think he's for sure going to be an MVP candidate probably starting next season yeah you mentioned uh the ability to pass and I always felt like that was the hardest thing for a player to make a leap on I think passing is somewhat innate but Marcus made a leap as a passer so probably the same thing could happen for Tatum and that was surprising because I don't see a lot of players Kawhi got better as a passer you know and obviously I just said um Marcus got better as a passer but a lot of guys you see have that ability right out the gate you know like a John Moran Luka Doncic Larry Bird LeBron James obviously that's a little bit higher level but that's one part of the game that I think is a little bit more difficult to get better at. But I see it with some of these guys, so hopefully it'll help yeah. Tatum. And I think I think with Tatum, I don't think he'll ever be, you know, a seven assist a night guy. I mean, maybe. Look, I'm not going to put right, any right. sort of, of glass right. up ceiling on also, him. Also, he'll get doubled eventually, so he might, he probably will get seven assists, you know, off that. Right, and yeah. and it just depends. It depends on – I just think he's, he's such a uh, – just a – a gifted score that he won't need to have a seven seven assist and I and I, I mean look if he does that's great I mean Kawhi what Kawhi average is like what two or three um, yeah so it's I mean he'll get the, I, he's already doing that now so I think I think he'll you know around five five assists a game is probably where I'd put his his cap at but hopefully they don't need him to be doing more 
um, that have so many good players that can uh, create around him. Grant Williams, you know, at first look, you might not even think that he'll last in the NBA. And then when you really watch him play, you just realize he's a winning player. Kind of reminds me of Draymond in a way that nothing about his game is eye-popping, but just adds a lot of value. Can you speak to what you learned about Grant as a player and a person while covering the Celtics? Oh, well, Grant, Grant as a person is just an absolute pleasure to cover. He's uh, always willing to do interviews. He's funny. He's got a great personality. He's smart. Uh, he's nerdy and dorky, which fits in <laughs> with uh, Celtics Twitter, uh, or at least large uh, portions of Celtics Twitter. And, right, I saw some uh, memes with like him with like glasses on and stuff. Like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> he's perfect for for this era. Um, as and and he he's just completely willing to do the you know the dirty work that does not get uh, listed on the stat sheet. But he's a screening monster, and he's just a he's a brick house. I mean, he's so strong. Uh, he can really, he can really make life easier for other people on the court. I, I worry about him finishing inside. He doesn't seem to do well against length because his size, but I believe in his work. I believe in his, uh, his shot eventually uh, landing more um, as he, you know, as gets some more uh, reps in over the summer. That's, it's going to be about his three point shot about how long yeah. he lasts in the league. Cause he does everything else so well. He's like a, a forward version of Marcus smart. I would say not, you know, not that good on defense yet, but there's the potential there for him to be able to to really be kind of like a utility knife for the Celtics. He doesn't really push pace with the basketball like a Marcus Smart, right? Or does he? No, yeah, yeah, he does. He does. Yeah. I mean, he he just does whatever the game dictates. Whatever he's supposed to do, he does. Uh, sometimes I think early in the season he didn't shoot when he probably should have, um, and now he's just letting it fly. And look, he's he's missing a lot of shots, but. The Celtics don't care. Brad Stevens has never cared about the uh, shot going in. He's like, look, if you're open and I, you know, you know, if you're open, shoot the three. It, there's value. There's so much value in that attempt. It, it just stretches the floor even if you don't make it. You know, your defenders, because when you do make it, your defender's going to start thinking, I got to get out there and contest, and then you're just opening up the lane. So uh, he'll get there. I believe in him. Uh, like I said, he's a really great kid. He's super smart. Um, and he just, you know, you can tell he's got that work. Uh, Draymond, the Draymond comp, their, uh, their measurements and stuff at the combine were very, very similar. But Draymond has extra wingspan. Um, yeah. And Draymond was also – I actually talked to Scal about this over the summer after they drafted Grant. He said the thing with Draymond is that Draymond came in, like, super out of shape. Uh, not like – he just wasn't as a fine-tuned athlete. And he became more athletic in his NBA career as he, you know – as he got into on a, in a professional setting. Um, and so he had more room to grow. Whereas Grant seems like he's already in, in the kind of sh the best shape. Uh, we'll see if there's any sort of athletic growth there, but that's the one thing I kind of worry about with the Draymond comps, but I, that's who I always thought like, man, that's, if you can be 70% of what Draymond was at his peak, then you're, you're absolutely, you know, a rotation player on a, a championship caliber team. How has Boston embraced Kemba? A New York City guy. I'd like to hear more about how that relationship has went with Boston and Kemba. Uh, he's been a breath of fresh air. He's been great. He really has. He's had you know two really uh, egregious errors at the end of games uh, this past week uh, that mm -hmm. kind of cost the team. But uh, he's coming back from an injury, uh, which is a little worrisome. The injury, but as far as like he's been embraced, everyone loves him. It's just he's so different from Kyrie. It's just so nice to have a guy that just goes to the 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 podium or in his little press gaggle and just he doesn't say anything like at all really he's a boring soundbite he just says what the the normal cliche 
He doesn't throw his teammates under the bus. You know, he just says the right thing and that's it. And that's all we ever want. You know, I mean, yes, as in the media, we like to have guys that stir things up occasionally, you know, just for our content. But as far as like, you know, for like the team's purposes, you just want a guy to just go there and do his job and just put his head down and, and be a great team player. And uh, I can't remember what game it was. I think it was like the third or fourth game of the season. He just, uh, he had a turnover and ran back on defense and just dove in like this mass of huge humans and stole the defensive rebound from all of the bigs and just ripped it down. And it was like, I went back and I watched that play like 10 times and it was just so amazing to see just that I'm not going to let this hurt my team because I just turned the ball over. Um, and it just, it just shows you, like, the kind of player he is. He's just, he's just – the defensive rebound is actually incredible. It really – it stands out. Someone his size able to just, just get in there and, and pull down boards and such solid ball control. You know, he brings on the board and he, he just – he contains it. He keeps it. He keeps the ball. And – um, I've just seen so many times where like a little guy will get the rebound and it just it bounces off his foot or there's just, they get swarmed and the pressure gets to them, but he's just does all these little solid things. And then in the beginning of the season, especially he would just have these monster second halves and he carried them to several wins. So that's why he's not going to get crushed for these, these two turnovers the last week, uh, one against yeah. Brooklyn and then one last night that kind of, that were ugly and bad, but at the end of the day, you know, that just happens over the course of a season. He's a great player. He's worth every every cent that he got paid, and uh, he's great for the culture here. He's great. Uh, he's been so uh, accommodating to the Tatum rise. You know, part of it was because Kemba's been out, but then when he's back, he, you know, it does. There's no difference when when Kemba's out there or when he's not. You know, Tatum's still the guy, and he's been great playing off of uh, Tatum and letting him sort of just evolve into being the number one option at the end of games, and it's. It's just not something I can imagine of happening with Kyrie here. Yeah, and I'm sure he's grateful for Tatum after all those years in Charlotte without another star like Tatum. Absolutely, you know, and just like a different vibe. Um, I'm sure the fans in Charlotte are great, but it's just a different animal in Boston. You know, the expectations are so high, but the fans are passionate. And, you know, it's, there's just no choice about making the playoffs. It's, it's a thing that's going to happen. It's about making the finals and winning championships, especially with all, you know, how successful the other teams are around here you really need to be in, in the mix for a title to be, you know, on the front page of the sports page. You know, that's just how, that's just the reality here. And that adds importance to everything you do. And I can imagine that not being the case in Charlotte. Favorite basketball meme of all time. Oh man, that's, that's a tough one because there's just so many good ones. I like the uh, John Calipari one. You ever seen that one where he's like, what? Yeah, I've seen that one. There's I like ones. that one. Uh, the, the, the gif of Alonzo mourning, uh, when he's, when he's like shaking his head, but then like, Oh, actually, no, that's not that bad. That that <laughs> one gets used a lot. Um, there's the, the Nick Young, uh, yes. question marks one's really good. Uh, you know, there, that's what I love about the NBA on social media is just, there's just, there's so many and there's some that have staying power. Uh, the crying Jordan lasted probably three years too long but way too long wait do some of these kids don't even realize who michael jordan is they just know his meme is that is that really a thing is that true i can't imagine that being true okay no because we knew who babe ruth was right when we were we were kids so right and that's that's michael jordan so hopefully uh yeah i hope so he is he's the crappy owner of the hornets right oh man oh man speaking of that um 
do you believe the boat has sailed for the majority, the consensus for everybody? Like, so let's say 10 years from now, would you be surprised if the consensus thought that LeBron James was the greatest player to ever live? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised just because, you know, that's how the reality of younger generations and, and things like that. I'm sure, you know, Wilt or Bill Russell were, you know, or Oscar Robinson were considered the best before yeah. Jordan came out. But Michael around. actually was better. We don't, I mean, I think, you know, it's tough with LeBron and Jordan. I think that's a little bit closer. I agree because yeah. uh, Jordan, Jordan did all that winning and he was, and his, the thing that uh, LeBron and anybody, any player will never be able to come close to is the impact he had on like, the global game that Michael Jordan had. He was one of the most famous humans alive. And uh, LeBron James, as popular as he is, he's not even close to uh, the Jordan love. I mean, Jordan was, was a brand. He is a brand. He, you, they literally named a brand just Jordan. Do you believe that, like, the way we – like, famous people now, it's a little bit different. It's more spread out. So I think it's hard for anybody in this era to become as famous as Michael Jackson or Michael Jordan because of social media. And there's so many more famous people. It's kind of spread out in a way. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Because social media and like YouTube and yeah. um, everything just, there's just, there's, the gatekeepers aren't there anymore that used to be there. Like there were only like, like a couple different ways, like movies, TV, right. sports right. that you could, or politics that you could become like a super famous person on a global scale. And now it's like, Literally, if you're just talented and you have a camera in your basement, you could get a YouTube channel and become incredibly famous. So it right. it raises the stakes. I think it it makes the. I mean, I want to believe that it makes you know the more talent that the elite talent rise to the top in terms of you know fame or whatever they're doing. But um, you know, then you got algorithms and stuff like that uh, making decisions for people. So we'll see. But uh, you're absolutely right. It is. I think that's why LeBron isn't as famous as Jordan was because. It's just like it's just watered down the whole pool of fame in general. Right, Max. Great stuff. Great conversation. It was great having you on the show. Where can we find you on social media and everywhere else? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Max underscore Letterman. That's L E D E R M A N. Um, and that's pretty much. I mean, I have Instagram and stuff like that, but it's just pictures of my kids. So you can <laughs> you can sure check me out if you'd like, but uh, I don't recommend it. But Twitter's where I do all my uh, my NBA stuff. Great stuff. Appreciate you taking the time. You're always welcome back on the show. Talk soon. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Combo's Court and big shouts to Max for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, let me know how you feel about this episode right in the comments section of your Apple Podcast app. I would greatly appreciate it. And share this episode with a friend, man, via social media or word of mouth. Be on the lookout for episode 144. Combo out.